Uh, if you would, put the small group little card, if you can put that in the uh, bag as it goes by, that will be great, and your Connect card. Many of you look confused this morning. <clears throat> I've heard people actually say, I've been sitting in this one seat for so long, and now all of a sudden you messed it up, you screwed it up. Well, the thing is, you're a part of a church that is growing. <laughs> and what happens when a church is growing, we have to do things to create more space for people. And when we go to two celebrations in October 14th, which is really cool, uh, you'll need the space that we have right now. So you may feel really full right now, and then October 14th, you're going to just have to invite a lot of people to make both celebrations uh, kind of feel that way. Well, I also want to just say to you guys how proud I am of you. A couple weeks ago, we said we're going to need more volunteers to do two celebrations. And the response has been amazing. We've had tons and tons of people who have stepped up to serve, and uh, we're about 99% full uh, with all of our things. So let me give you a hand uh, for that. Now, if for some reason you weren't here the past two weeks, uh, we really want to encourage you to still volunteer on Sunday in some way. We still have some ways uh, to do that. And if you just go to the Volunteer Now booth, and uh, Gary has a Colts uh, shirt on right there, he'll meet with you, get you plugged into some way to volunteer. Um, but thank you guys very much. Well, we're in our uh, second week of... Uh, our new series here called Just Walk Across the Room. And we've been talking about uh, how do we encourage uh, different folks to walk across rooms. And uh, this week, I don't know about you, but I found myself preoccupied with people. I mean, everywhere I walked, I was thinking about people. And I was watching people. Now, not in a weird way, okay? I wasn't like being a stalker or anything like that, but I was really trying to uh, connect with people, to kind of understand people more. And so everywhere I would go, I would look for people in stores, in restaurants, uh, gas stations, in our neighborhood. And as I was walking along, I would start uh, asking God uh, this question. I would just say, uh, God, if you need me to walk across the room, I'm open. I'm available. You just show me who I need to build a friendship with, and uh, God, I'll do that. Well, let me give you a story about what happened uh, this uh, last week and how God kind of responded to that of walking across rooms. On Monday, I was uh, at uh, a park here in town called Cowing Park. And I was praying and reading scripture, listening to some music, journaling some notes down, when all of a sudden uh, I realized I had to pick my daughter up at 3 o'clock. And it was about 2.50. And so I was like, oh, this still gives me enough time. And so I get ready to back out uh, of the park. And as I'm backing out, I look in my rearview mirror and I notice that there is a black car. 
And so I'm like, oh, I don't want to hit that car. So I kind of slow down, put on the brake a little bit more. And then as I tried to do that, all of a sudden, bam, I hit something. I get out of my Suburban. I walk around the back end of it. And there used to be a mailbox that is now horizontal. It's not vertical anymore. And it's straight down, and I'm thinking, oh, no, what am I going to do? Now, I have to pick my daughter up. You know, she's five. Like, they freak out if you're not there to pick them up. But I knew I had to do the right thing and go up and talk to whoever it was. And so I walked up to uh, this house, and there were two little girls at the uh, front door and the screen, and you could see them. And I walked up, and the older of the two said this, That isn't good. (laughs) And so I went ahead and I asked uh, the little girl, could you go get your mom for me? And they're like, yeah, yeah, I can do that. And so the mom comes out. And I tell the mom, you know, hey, I'm so sorry, but I, I knocked over your mailbox. And she walks out. And this was so hilarious. The mailbox is down. She gets down on her knees and she opens the door to get the mail off the ground. And I said, you know, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And she's like, well, you know, I, I, I really don't handle this stuff. My boyfriend does. Um, and I said, well, if I can get his number, I'll call and we'll work it out. And she said, well, his name is Marcus. Now, I don't know. Maybe you guys are real secure with yourself. But there are some names that scare me. <laughs> like if she would have told me, Bob, David, Joey... I'd have been like, oh, that's great. But when she said Marcus, it scared me a little bit. And so I didn't call that day. I waited until I got back to the church the next day. And that morning I thought to myself, if I call from a church and it comes up on the caller ID, the Jar Community Church, you know, surely he wouldn't yell at me at least. So I call the next day and Marcus answers the phone. He says, hello. I'm like, oh. And uh, so I just go ahead and I tell him the situation. And he was pleasant. He was kind. He said, if you could just fix it for me, that would be great. And uh, I have no skills whatsoever in fixing things. So I called a guy in the church, Brian Rainwaters. And I said, Brian, I need a mailbox put up. And uh, so he did that. And uh, things were done. But the next morning I was praying. And all of a sudden, I just felt this prompting. Chris, if you did all of that. Couldn't you just walk and maybe give them a gift? And so I got my wife and the girls in our house to get together to put some banana bread together. And I took two loaves of banana bread up to the house. And the two little girls were sitting at the same place again. And this time they said, that looks good. (laughs) And I gave them this uh, bread and the mom came and uh, I said, hey, I'm so sorry that this happened and I said, my name's Chris, and I had a little free card uh, to give to them that we often do here to just let them know that God's love's free. And uh, gave that to them. She said, hey, my name's Michelle, and uh, we just kind of went on our own way. Now, folks, this is what I'm telling you. There was no conversion. There was no come-to-Jesus moment. There was no, would you please come to the jar?" But a conversation started, and I don't know 
Marcus and Michelle may be here this morning. I don't know. But a conversation started, and God might do something just by me knocking down a mailbox. And so I'm not encouraging you to do that this week. But if you do, Brian Rainwaters knows how to fix them. So give him a little help with his business. Folks, I just want you to know that I'm in this with you guys. I'm in this together with you. I'm learning how to walk afresh, anew, just like I hope some of you are as well. We're not doing this series so that we can become the biggest church in the county. We're simply doing this series so that some of you might be challenged to get off your duffs and walk across your neighborhood or walk across your office or walk across your factory floor and connect with someone who's disconnected from Christ in the church. Because walk across the room people typically get used by God in amazing ways. And God does cool things. And the reason why every single one of you are sitting here this morning is because somebody walked across a room for you. And the reason we do this is because that's what God did. He walked across a universe for you and I. He wants everyone to walk like that. Now with that in mind, let's kind of review what happened last week for those of you who weren't here. And a reminder for all the rest of us. Last week, we asked this question. What is the single greatest gift you can give to someone? And this is what we said. We said it is to introduce them to the God who created them, loves them, and has a purpose for their life. That's all we said. And the key word there is that first word, introduce. You don't have to, co- you don't have to convert. You don't have to coerce. You don't have to chastise them. Just introduce yourself and eventually introduce yourself to the one who's changed your life with the spirit of acceptance and love. Then we asked the question, well, how do you do this? How do you do it? And we said, you must be willing to get out of your own circle of comfort and enter into the zone of the unknown. That you get out of your circle of comfort and you enter into the zone of the unknown. In other words, you get out of your huddle-cuddle of friends that you know at work or in your neighborhood, and you walk across and you give a handshake, or you take a risk to introduce yourself, or you reach out in some way to show love to them. Now, the second key that we said was to listen for the Holy Spirit's promptings. That you've got to listen to the Holy Spirit's promptings. Now, when we say the Holy Spirit, what we're referring to is God's Spirit. You see, when Jesus died, and then He rose again, and then He ascended into heaven, He said, I'm going to leave My Spirit for everyone who would ever follow Me, and I'm going to leave My Spirit to guide them and to give them comfort. And life works better. I don't know if you figured this out, but I've learned that life works a whole lot better 
when I'm following God's Spirit rather than my own Spirit. Now, as we connect with God, more than likely, He may not speak audibly to us, but He'll give us a prompting, a nudging, uh, something maybe in our mind. And He'll invite us in social settings to do things like this. He'll say, why don't you go over and introduce yourself to that person at work who is new? Or why don't you walk across the the, uh, cul-de-sac and introduce yourself to the neighbor named Joe? Why don't you walk across the street and uh, engage with a neighbor that you know for maybe years and years, but you've never really tried to know them except for high and by? So you listen to those promptings. And finally, we said, you just walk. Just walk. Now, this may be your first time here at the jar, and uh, for you, nothing feels weird because uh, all the screens look okay and banners up and different things, Um, but you may feel a little bit weird right now because we're talking about people reaching out to people who are disconnected from God. You might be like, well, I'm that person. And you might be asking, well, why should I ever do that? Why should I reach out to someone else? Why should I invest in someone else? Why should I walk across the room? And the answer is pretty simple, folks, because Jesus walked across a room for you. In fact, Jesus didn't just walk across the room. He walked across the cosmos because of his love for you. He left heaven, the greatest circle of comfort that you can imagine, and he said, no, I'll leave and I'll come to earth where it's very, very messy, and people's lives are messy, and I will show them the amazing love of my Father. The, the habit of reaching out and seeing friendships on the horizon and saying, hey, I'm going to invest, I'm going to connect. And folks, it doesn't matter if you're extrovert or introvert. You all are around people, and so developing friendships is key. You extend a, friend, you extend a hand of friendship. And you have wide open arms of acceptance. Now you might ask, well, why should I do this, Chris? Because that's the life that Jesus modeled for us. He said, if you want to live life to the fullest, you do it by developing friendships with other people who are disconnected from me. In Jesus' life, he was in a continuous search mode. In fact, I want us to look at a story this morning of a person who was disconnected from God, and as Jesus is walking, he wants to introduce everyone to his heavenly Father. And so, in Luke 19, he's walking, and he sees a guy by the name of Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus was a tax collector. He was like a present-day IRS agent. In other words, he didn't have very many friends. And this is what the story says. Jesus was going through Jericho, where a man named Zacchaeus lived. He was in charge of collecting taxes and was very rich. Jesus was heading his way, and Zacchaeus wanted to see what he was like. But Zacchaeus was a short man, and he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree. When Jesus got there, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, hurry down. I want to to stay with you today. In other words, he's saying, hey, I want to hang out with you today. I want to be your friend. 
Zacchaeus hurried down and gladly welcomed Jesus. Everyone who saw this started grumbling. This man Zacchaeus is a sinner, and Jesus is going home to eat with him. Later that day, Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, I will give, you, I will give half of my property to the poor, and I will now pay back four times as much to everyone I have ever cheated. Jesus said to Zacchaeus, Today you and your family have been saved, because you are a true son of Abraham, who was the father of all Jewish people. And Jesus said this to end. The Son of Man came to look for and to save people who are lost. So Jesus is just taking a walk down a road, and as he's walking, he looks at a tree, and he looks up in the tree, and he sees something kind of strange. He sees a grown man in the tree. Now at this point, we don't know how Jesus is going to respond. But in my life, I've noticed that Christ followers, people who take walks across rooms, typically respond in one of three ways. And the first way is what I call the ease or the eruptors. The eruptors. This isn't in your notes, so uh, if you want, if you're a writer, you can just kind of put that in. So here's the first one, the eruptors. Eruptors are followers of Christ who are all about salvation of other people and making sure that people um, come into a relationship with God and receive eternal life. And they just burst to wait to that moment where they can erupt and share Jesus with other people. And sometimes they walk across rooms that they shouldn't walk across. Like, God didn't tell them to walk, but they're walking anyways. Do you realize that? Sometimes God doesn't tell you to walk. But eruptors have a tendency to do that. And rather than conversing, rather than connecting, rather than trying to listen to the person and build a friendship over a period of time, eruptors are just kind of biding their time until there is kind of a dead spot in the uh, you know, conversation, and then they'll go like this. Did you know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life? No one will come to the Father except by me. And I mean you, buddy. Today is your day. Let's pray. Come to Jesus. And the person who's there just feels like a volcano erupted on them. And let me just say this. There are some eruptors in the jar. This is your typical approach. But I'm telling you, it's not helpful. And if you have a tendency to be an eruptor, I want to give you some advice. <sighs> Chill out. Chill out. If God asks you to walk, you walk. He'll open up the doors. He'll orchestrate whatever needs to be done. But you don't have to be nervous and anxious and think, this is the only opportunity, and so I'm going to bring them to Jesus right now, and then you erupt. Just chill. And just practice loving the person. The second type of Christ follower who often responds, and I think this is the majority of Christ followers, are the A's, the avoiders. The avoiders. Avoiders see a guy in a tree and they reach out and they develop a friendship and they start to connect and they like the person and they take a long time to do this. It may be weeks, months, even years. They get to know them pretty well. And then the person who was up in the tree actually will ask a God question. 
of the avoider. But the avoider, because the avoider feels so scared and inadequate, and they don't know enough about the Bible, and they don't know how to pray, and they feel kind of like they might be rejected if they don't say things exactly right, they just kind of don't do anything. They go, when the spiritual question comes, they go, well, you know, I really don't know. I mean, I've been going to church for a while, and the pastor knows stuff, but I don't know stuff. And so, you know, I don't want to mess you up, so I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to ask by a sign of hands, but how many of you are avoiders? And they blow this opportunity to share God's love. This is what I've found, folks. You don't have to know a whole heck of a lot about the Bible. You don't have to know how to pray out loud for a person to know what God's done in your life. And we'll talk about that next week. You share your story, and that is the most powerful story there is because it's what God's done in your life. Well, here's the final group, and this is the one that Jesus modeled, and it's the D's, it's the developers. These are people who notice the person in the tree, and they slowly begin uh, to develop a friendship with them. They connect, they hang out, they have them over at their house. They really get to know the person pretty well. And even when other people talk about that person badly who's in the tree and put them down and are like, how could you even hang out with such a person like that? The developer continues to build the friendship and to listen to their story. They show radical acceptance and love. And developers notice that a person who's disconnected, they notice them. They don't erupt. They don't avoid. They just notice them and they develop the friendship over time. Friends, just as Jesus developed a friendship with Zacchaeus, that's what he's asking you and I to do, to simply develop friendships with people who are disconnected from Christ and the church and to live in 3D living. Because once you're willing to walk across rooms, every interaction then at that point becomes an opportunity for you to build a friendship. And this is what I found. When you do this, doors are open, wide open. People love to talk. They want to connect. They want something more if you develop the friendship. Here's the uh, next kind of D in our 3D living. We said you have to develop a friendship. And then secondly, we said you have to discover their story. You discover their story. We develop friendships and we discover stories. You know, when Jesus discovered that Zacchaeus was a tax collector... He didn't say, oh my goodness, I don't want anything to do with him. He just wanted to listen to more of his story. He didn't jump to try to judge him or correct him or to do something. He just connected with him. And even when people started saying, Jesus, you're eating with a sinner. You're eating with someone who cheats people. Why are you being so cozy with a cheater? Jesus continued to build the friendship. See, this is the cool thing about Jesus, and that's why I've learned to love him so much, is that he doesn't care what the crowd says. He cares about you. So the crowd can say all kinds of stuff about you, and he says, but I know you, and I will love you no matter what. Jesus puts friendship above the crowd. He puts friendship above Zacchaeus' past behavior. And because of this high-level acceptance, did you see the change in the story? This guy comes from cheating people to now he's going to give half of his possessions away to the poor and he will pay back four times as much to anyone who he cheated. Folks, people don't do that unless God is a part of their lives. 
Now, not every friendship is going to produce that kind of results that effective or that quickly. It probably won't happen that way. But Jesus says this, as you're doing this kind of stuff, he says you must be wise as snakes and as gentle as doves. Jesus is clear that when you're building friendships and learning a person's story who's disconnected, you've got to be wise with them to share things about God when you need to, but you have to be gentle and go at their pace. In fact, when people are getting to know you, the best starting point, folks, is to build bridges, not walls. Find something where there's common interest and connection, and you go at that point. This morning, I want you to listen to a story of a bridge builder. A couple guys who grew up together, they love video games, they uh, love eating, they love kind of connecting, doing guy stuff together. And the story's about uh, uh, Frank Stone and Jeff Hansard and how as they developed their friendship and they discovered their story, that God changed both of their lives. So if you would, uh, I invite Jeff and Frank to come up and let's give them a hand. Jeff and Frank, you didn't know we were going to switch everything, so uh, you're among friends. Don't freak out. (laughs) Well, Frank, let me kind of start with you, and uh, why don't you just share a little bit about uh, how you kind of began your friendship with Jeff and uh, how that got started. All right. Well, uh, I I first met Jeff in sixth grade. He was in fifth uh, at Westview. It was my first year there, so I needed a friend. Then, <laughs> um, you know, all through middle school, uh, high school, good friends, hung out together, partied, you know, all the usual cool high school stuff, you know. Um, but after after high school, I, I think we lived together for about, what, almost a year maybe, a year place. And then uh, Jeff decided to go to college, so we kind of lost contact for a little while. Okay, so you guys are uh, best buds. You kind of grew up together in elementary, high school, lived together for a while. That must have been scary. It was. <laughs> this guy, his wife knows what, what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, his wife knows what I'm talking about. So. Um, well, Jeff, uh, so you're connecting, and you go off to college, and you kind of have this real searching time uh, in your life where you're kind of searching just – purpose of life kind of stuff. And uh, so can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, well, uh, you know, Chris, I think, you know, every individual thinks about, you know, God. Well, how did we get here? Who, you know, the universe, how was it created and all this kind of stuff. And uh, I didn't grow up going to church or having, you know, uh, a religious indoctrination or anything like that. Um, as a matter of fact, you know, one story I relate, coming to the jar like the first month I came here for every weekend, I had been to church. That was the most I'd ever been to church uh, in my life. You know, I'd maybe growing up been to church two times in my life, something like that. So, but I always had these questions, and I think every person does. So, 
uh, you know, as a, even as a kid, I kind of sought out answers. But, like, I kind of came to the conclusion when I was a teenager, well, why, why is Christianity more, you know, why should I believe that as opposed to, say, like, you know, uh, Norse, like Odin and Thor? And, you know, so to me, they all just kind of seem like it's a belief and it really, so I never really found the answer that I was looking for when I was younger. So I went off to college, uh, took a religious studies class I was interested in, studied Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. And so kind of at that point, I came to the realization that I believed that there was one all-powerful God, you know. So that's where I was, you know, at that point in my life. Okay. So you kind of go off to college, not so sure about this God thing at all, take a class and think, well, I think that there is a God that exists, but I'm not sure kind of what flavor (laughs) he might be. Uh, And then kind of tell me... uh, what happened kind of next after that? Well, uh, uh, we kind of, you know, Frank and I went off to college. We kind of became adults for the most part. <laughs> you know, got married, work, kind of got involved in just life, like having kids and things like that. And uh, uh, so we kind of drifted apart a little bit. We have contact every once in a while. but um, So we just kind of got involved in our thing. And I know... Uh, Frank's wife, uh, Amy, was, you know, is, a, is and has been always a strong woman of faith. And so I think for Frank, in terms of a relationship with God, we kind of separated a little bit. And Frank began to discover that more or have more develop that relationship more than I was. Yeah. So, Frank, it sounds like uh, both of you, you weren't raised in the church. You didn't really connect that way. Go off to college. Um, and Jeff kind of goes, he, he's thinking about things of God, but not real sure. You get married uh, to your wife, and she has this relationship with Christ. And um, after you got married, what kind of happened? Can you kind of talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I, uh, I met Amy, and again, she's always been a strong Christian. I, I've never been in church. I was kind of like Jeff, you know, I've been in church a handful of times. Uh, but she got me connected, and, you know, it wasn't long until we started coming to the jar. We moved around here, there, went to Anderson. And uh, in, in the year 2005, we both made the commitment together to get baptized at uh, Prairie Creek, which was very cool. It's kind of, you know, reminiscent of how they did it in the Bible days of, you know, you're out in the water and, and whatnot. And I remember that day. <laughs> well, I hope so. You were there. <laughs> um so, you know, and over the years, we've, we've always been involved in small groups, which was, you know, I, I, I think that was key to really getting connected was the small groups. So we, uh, we eventually we started doing our own small groups, and we've done one for quite a while. You know, we've always been involved with it. And, um, and I remember just, then we, I remember we uh, were talking about this concept kind of walking across rooms, and that kind of hit you, and all of a sudden, some a name came to your mind. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you always we always hung out, tried to hang out with Jeff, but like he was saying, you know, when you get married, you start having kids, you know, your priorities totally change. You don't hang out as much as you used to and things. And uh, um, yeah, I, I'd seen Jeff one day, and we kind of was like, hey, you need to get a hold of us. And during that time, we were doing a small group. Um, so me and my wife got together, and it was kind of probably more my wife than me, but, you know, invited him and his wife to our small group, and that was about a year and a half or so ago, two years ago, so. 
And so there was like a lot of invites, though, leading up to this, where you had been praying for him, you had been kind of connecting with him that way. And so I guess what I wonder, uh, Jeff, is that, you know, you're in this trying to figure out this whole God piece, and, uh, you know, Frank, the sixth grade kid, who you thought was not warped by this whole Christian thing, uh, all of a sudden... He's married a Christian. They're going to church. They're doing small group stuff. They're inviting you. Like, what were you thinking? Chris, it blew my mind. <laughs> now, uh, not only Frank, but another great childhood friend of mine, Jeremy Slavin, who's also, and, and his wife, Michelle, who were also involved with the JAR. Uh, you know, we were all very close friends growing up. And so we kind of, you know, all got busy with our lives. And then I'd run into them, and they'd say, hey, you know, you should, you should come to church uh, with us some Sunday. You know, they're, they're pretty low-key about it. Just come hang out. It's cool, you know. Um, I remember seeing the commercials, the, the guy with the coffee in his bathrobe come to the jar. And I was like, oh, that's that church uh, Frank and Jeremy go to. But uh, people would ask me. They would say, uh, we'd run into mutual friends. They'd say, well, what's Frank and uh, Slavin up to these days? And I'd be like, I would say to them, well, they went and got all churchy on me. <laughs> and, you know, we'd kind of... So it kind of, I was kind of surprised. I mean, I was just thinking, oh, great. You know, how are these guys going to change now? Like, what's this going to look like? Because it probably felt like in some ways that somehow the friendship might change or things might be uh, different, I'm sure. And so um, what happened then next, Jeff? I mean, what was it that kind of this real pinnacle thing in your life that hit and uh, things kind of changed? Yeah, so... uh, uh, I, you know, believed in God. I believed there was one God, and, and I was open to that. And uh, so Frank and, and, and Jeremy were, you should come to church sometimes, you know, to the jar. And, uh, uh, and so I kind of would think about it. I started thinking about it more, which was kind of a, you know, at first I kind of would blow it off and not really even contemplate it. But then I found myself, you know, on a Thursday or Friday thinking, well, there's churches going to be this Sunday at the jar. Maybe I ought to go check it out. But then maybe I'd find a reason not to go. Or So anyway, I just became more open to it. I started thinking about it more. And then about uh, a year ago, actually a little over a year ago, it was a year ago on uh, September 16th, I had a, a nephew that was 24 years old that had a, a prescription uh, a pill problem, abuse. And uh, he died from uh, a, an overdose. And uh, it was a real tragedy in our family. And... Uh, at the time that happened, you know, it was it was really difficult. And uh, at the time of his uh, funeral uh, beforehand, um, I actually reached out to Jesus myself. You know, I, I, I thought, you know, this was a moment um, where I would need strength for my family, um, for some peace with the family and everything. So I reached out. I actually prayed to Jesus, and I, I asked for that peace and that comfort. And it was given to me. It was. And that's the moment that was the moment where it kind of, things kind of switched for me. And so um, after that is when I began attending the JAR. I came to church. Um, I made that decision. Uh, and the teachings were just beyond belief, right? Well, uh, regardless of what people say, Chris, I actually thought you were a pretty good speaker. And I think, <laughs> you know, so, you know, I will give you credit for that. I thought, well, this guy's at least fairly entertaining, so I'll, I'll stick around and, and give it keep coming. But... Uh, uh, the other aspect was I have two young daughters as well, uh, Emma and Jenna, and at that time they were attending preschool, and we, we sent them to Christian preschools. And I, I also saw 
the God's love reflected in them. You know, it spoke about in the Bible that to be like children, you understand. And, and interacting with them about it and talking to them about it, I could see that they were getting it. And that was also very, had a very powerful effect on, on me in yeah. terms of understanding, you know what, God does want to love us. And, you know, to, to find that through Christ, that that sacrifice was given, um, and it's there, and you just have to ask for it. Yeah, cool. Well, uh, Frank, I know that uh, something uh, pretty cool happened about a month ago. Um, you had walked across rooms. You had been praying uh, for Jeff for a while. And, uh, again, it wasn't overnight. This was over years. 2005 was kind of when you came to Christ and thought about your buddy and, and started praying for him. And then about a month ago, uh, something cool kind of happened. So can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I, I think we first heard about it in our small group that Wednesday beforehand um, that uh, that Jeff had been taking the baptism classes. Ah. And that this Sunday he was going to be baptized at the Prairie Creek Reservoir. And we were like, are, are you this this Jeff? You know, we, <laughs> we thought maybe there was something going on. But, but yeah, I mean, we were all shocked that he'd, he'd made that decision. And obviously we'd all been praying for him and, and hoping that he would make that decision. I know... Uh, He'd been coming to the jar, you know, previously and here and there, and they were talking about the baptism classes. I'm like, well, maybe he'll sign up, but he never did. And then he he seen the opportunity to do it at Prairie Creek and thought, you know, I guess that's this is the time I should do it. So you know, we were right behind him. It was it was really cool to see you know your buddy out there yeah. giving his life, and it was it was really cool. Cool. And uh, Jeff, can you just kind of close us out then by maybe talking about what was that day like for you, and then how has your life really changed uh, since Christ has come into it? Okay. Well, yeah, like, like Frank said, uh, you know, the combination of, you know, being open to what God put out there for me, coming to church, uh, reading the Bible, praying myself, and being involved in a small group and seeing really the relationship with Christ demonstrated by Frank and Jeremy, Chuck Mock was a part of our group as well. I'll give him a shout out. Uh, just really seeing that it wasn't difficult. I didn't have to have it all together. I didn't have to be some super Bible guy and be like, you know, no scripture inside and out. Uh, just ask for it and just be there and be open to that relationship. So I always heard you throughout different times at the jar, different services say, hey, what are you waiting for? You know, let's get wet. You know, do it, you know. And so I made that decision to do it. I was trying to hold out for the reservoir baptism. <laughs> I will admit that. Um, and I was actually a little worried uh, that, uh, you know, I kind of made that decision in the earlier part of this year, and I was kind of a little bit concerned. I was like, well, I hope that I don't, you know, die before, you know, I get a chance to. And I think this is the stuff people think about, you know, yeah, like, and uh, so – uh, but it was a great day. I'll remember it. I really felt like that day, uh, you know, it was very overcast. The sun, you could look at the sun um, because it was coming through the clouds. So it was like kind of a, I really felt God's presence on that day. Um, and the interesting thing was when in the first immersion, my ears filled with water, I think, either that or God put some kind of, you know, thing on my hearing. But, like, I couldn't hear anything after the first immersion. And so, but it just felt, so everything was real silent. It was real interesting, and uh, I really felt like that day, you know, I really feel like there's God wants us to be with him, to be a part of him, 
and not go the opposite direction. And I really felt on that day, like I, I made that decision that I'm going to go with God and not the other direction. That was my, you know, if there's a cosmic battle going on for our, every one of our souls, which there is, um, I made the decision to be on the side, the righteous side yeah. that day. And so since then, uh, I felt like I've had a comfort and a strength in a lot of situations that occur in my life to rely upon God, to kind of put it to God, put some things to God uh, without trying to deal with them myself. Um, but also, on the other hand, there's been challenges, too, new challenges uh, as well, because I feel like, you know, you're always going to be challenged by um, the other side. Uh, so, But to have that strength, to under, you know, feel like you have the ultimate backup, so to speak, yeah. you know, somebody's got your back that's, you know, created the universe so you can't you can't beat that (laughs) well cool well hey jeff and frank thanks so much for sharing your story today and uh let's give them a hand you know i think if uh, frank would have pressed if he would have judged if he would have tried to fix Jeff, in some way, it wouldn't have had the same response. But that wasn't the case uh, whatsoever. And uh, Frank just continued to build the friendship. He developed it. He listened to his story. And then the next D, kind of our last thing that we'll close out with, is that he discerned the next step. And for Frank, it was inviting that person to church. Now, for some of you... You're sitting there right now, and you might be thinking, you know what, I want to do this. I want to be able to connect with one of my friends or coworkers, and, and to see that as I walk across that, God will show up and kind of work in their life. And so if you would, I'd like you to pull out uh, this card. Uh, it looks like this. It says, one person, one minute, one p.m. And uh, you can just pull that out. And what we're going to do, we're just going to give you about two minutes here, and then we'll close out. But what I'd like you to do is, and do this, like pull this out. Like, you know, we pay money to do this. So even if you don't like writing a person's name down, just have it out, you know. Uh, so pull it out. And what I'd like to do is just give you a couple minutes here for you to ask God, who is the person that you would want me to develop a friendship with and walk with. And you can kind of put their first and and, uh, last name down. Pray for that person. And then on the back, there are a couple ways that you can actually pray for them. Um, For me, a guy that I want to really reach out to uh, this next season of my life is named Tom. And so I'd say, God, please open Tom's heart to your love. God, please show me uh, what my next step would be to reach out to Tom. And uh, you could just do that. And then whatever that next step is, that you could write it down. Maybe it's inviting them to, uh, to go to dinner. Maybe it's uh, asking them to come to an NFL football game and just start connecting with them. Um, maybe it's to, you know, hand them a CD or uh, something. Uh, because some of you have been working with people for a long time, praying for them, kind of encouraging them. And so uh, whatever that is, Uh, We'd like you to do that. And while you're doing that, we're just going to listen to an old song by James Taylor called You've Got a Friend. And uh, what I'd like you to do is, as you're filling all this out, that's great, but some of you might be here for the first time and you're like, I don't get any of this. 
And what I'd like you to do is just sit there and experience God's love for you, that uh, he really is your best friend. So take just a minute here, and uh, we'll uh, fill this out. When you're down and troubled And you need a helping hand And nothing, oh, nothing is going right Close your eyes and think of me And soon I will be Brighten up even your darkest night. You just call out my name, and you know. got to do is call and I'll be there yeah 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 you got a friend okay um, if you would I'd like you to pull this out too it just looks like a card that says scene double and for some of you your next step really is maybe to invite them to come to the jar on the 14th and so here's an easy way. You could just say, hey, I wondered if you would come, kind of uh, connect with me. And uh, we just want to see um, people who are disconnected, the Zacchaeuses in our life who are stuck in trees, because all of us were there at one time. I was. That uh, they don't have to live life alone. That they can have a friend named God through his son, Jesus Christ, and he can have a friend in you uh, to care uh, for them. So if you would, let's stand for closing prayer. You know, I was thinking about it this week, and uh, there's a story in the Bible in which Jesus one day is uh, teaching at a temple. And there's all these religious people, and they're uh, trying to trick him. And uh, they bring a man in who is paralyzed. He has a paralyzed hand. And when they bring him in, they know that Jesus is going to heal him, but they get kind of uptight and they say, well, Jesus, you can't heal people on the Sabbath. It's against the law. And Jesus said these words, which I thought were really cool. It says, Jesus looked at the religious leaders in the eye, one after another, angry now, furious as their hard-nosed religion. He said to the man, hold out your hand. He held it out and it was good as new. And I was thinking about this week, folks, that you are going to connect with people whose hands might be paralyzed or whose hearts are paralyzed or whose spirits are paralyzed. And they're looking for someone to reach out and be their friend. And God's just telling you this morning that you're the person. You're the person that God is calling to reach out to whoever that person is that you wrote down on that card. No one else is going to do that. Billy Graham isn't. Chris Bunch isn't. Nobody else. It's you. But if you do that, the power that could change that person's life, just like it did for Jeff.
Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for each person who is in this gym today. Continue to bless their lives, God. Help them to know that they have a friend in you. That uh, no matter what, whenever they call, that you're right there with them. And God, I pray right now that there are many of their friends or co-workers or neighbors, uh, names of people who are written on these cards, God, who are disconnected, who are doing life in a very lonely way. And I pray that you would help every single person in this place today to walk across rooms, and to walk across factory floors, to walk across office rooms, to develop friendships with people who are disconnected from you, to discover their stories, God, and discern what the next step might be. And I just pray right now, Lord, through the power of the Holy Spirit, that the names that people wrote down on these cards, that by the end of this year of 2012, God, that they might connect with you in a deeper way, that many of them might accept you as Lord, that many of them would maybe connect here at the jar or another church and their lives would be changed. And God, we want to do this so that your name would be made great. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week. If you're visiting for the first time, right over there is Guest Connections. And if you'd like prayer for anything, please come on up. Have a great week, everybody. Father.